Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Just a quick heads up, today's episode talks about pregnancy termination. There Are No Girls on the Internet is a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is There Are No Girls on the Internet. When it comes to the health of our online landscape, I think it's really important to look at how, and honestly, if, we're able to use our digital communications platforms to communicate with each other about what's going on in the world. So in this episode, I want to look at a few recent cultural happenings and how bots did or didn't sway those conversations. We'll be covering a lot of ground and digging into a lot of research, and we're going to start with Britney Spears. So we have talked about Britney Spears on the podcast before, and I just finished the audiobook of Britney Spears' memoir, The Woman in Me. Now, even if you're someone who does not read a lot of celebrity memoirs, I think this book is still worth a read. Or you could listen to the audiobook narrated by Michelle Williams. At first, I was like, oh, I don't need to read this whole thing. I'll just listen to a recap on a podcast. So I listened to the podcast Celebrity Memoir Book Club about the memoir, and they ended the episode saying, Y'all really need to read this book for yourselves. So I did. And they were right. Listening to Britney in her own words was really a different experience. The book is a hit. It sold 1.1 million copies in its first week alone. It's at the top of the New York Times bestseller list. And it is the number two fastest debut of the year, second to Prince Harry's Spare. So it is clear people have been waiting to hear what Britney has to say. 
In the memoir, Brittany opens up about some of what we already knew and some that we didn't about her upbringing, her rise to fame, and the horrifying details of her 13-year-long conservatorship. It's one of those memoirs where Brittany is pretty gracious in how she reflects on the people in her life who did not treat her well. She has a lot of grace and compassion for people who treated her like absolute garbage. And unfortunately, it sounds like there are a lot of people like that in her life. Her own family, who financially benefited from her conservatorship, media figures who mocked and belittled her, and of course, her ex, Justin Timberlake. In Britney's memoir, she talks about some of the details of their relationship, including her pregnancy, which she says she terminated after Justin said he was not ready to be a parent. Britney said in her memoir that she was actually happy about the unplanned pregnancy, but Justin Timberlake was not ready to be a father. She says terminating the pregnancy was, quote, one of the most agonizing things I have ever experienced in my life. On realizing that she was pregnant, she said, it was such a surprise for me, but it wasn't a tragedy. I loved Justin so much, I always expected us to have a family together one day. This would just be much earlier than I anticipated, but Justin definitely was not happy about the pregnancy. He said we weren't ready to have a baby in our lives, that we were way too young. I agreed not to have the baby. I don't know if that was the right decision. If it had been left up to me alone, I never would have done it. And yet, Justin was so sure that he did not want to be a father. Now, to be clear, this is only one detail from a life story filled with so much color, pain, and insight. But it's the detail that I feel like a lot of media outlets have really latched onto, probably because it involves Justin Timberlake. Like, if you've not read the memoir, you probably have seen this one detail about the abortion in headlines about the book, as opposed to all the other details that she shares in the book, like how she recorded and produced her album Blackout during one of the worst years of her life, and she did it in basically one take. Or about how she was almost in the movie adaptation of the Broadway musical Chicago. Boy, did we all miss out on that. Or how she describes her use of Instagram as just this place to have fun and play. Like, the book is full of so much rich texture about Britney that it kind of makes me sad that we're really seeing the conversation unfold along the lines of the men in her life. And listen, if you listen to the episode that we did on Janet Jackson or any of the other times where it comes up on the show, you probably already know that I will happily take any opportunity to talk about how much I do not care for Justin Timberlake. But there's so much in this book. I just hate that the online conversation has been dominated by what does Justin think? What is Justin's reaction? What did Justin do? But that has been a big part of the reaction. So after Britney's memoir was published, it renewed criticism of Justin Timberlake's behavior in their romantic relationship, and especially during that relationship's aftermath. People have been weighing in on social media, and Justin Timberlake actually turned off the comments to his Instagram. So did his wife, Jessica Biel. And people on social media noticed something else unusual online, too. On Twitter, several social media users suspiciously used identical language to downplay Britney's revelations about Timberlake and the termination of the pregnancy, all repeating the same line verbatim. Quote, two consenting adults made a joint decision what was best for them in the period of their lives. I see no issue. This line was shown to have been posted from a few different social media accounts verbatim. So, Different social media accounts, all defending the behavior of an unpopular fading celebrity using the exact same language? That's suspicious. So this leads to the obvious question. Is someone using inauthentic accounts, sometimes more commonly referred to as social media bots, 
to manipulate public sentiment around Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake. Oh, so in case you're curious why I'm switching up using the term bots and inauthentic accounts in this conversation, well, it's because social media researchers sometimes use the phrase inauthentic accounts rather than bots because bots brings to mind like automated accounts not being run by humans. But sometimes these accounts are actually real people trying to inauthentically coordinate to manipulate public sentiment, hence inauthentic accounts. Okay, but back to Justin and Brittany. So the obvious answer here is that Justin Timberlake's PR team has organized inauthentic accounts to sway the public to be on his side, right? Well, maybe not. The Daily Dot looked into it and found that of the nine accounts on Twitter that repeated the two consenting adults line since October 17th, at least one of them appeared to have made the comment as a joke, like a joking use of what is called copypasta, content that is copied, pasted, and repeated online as a joke or a troll. The Daily Dot actually talked to people behind two of the accounts that posted the line. One of them seems to be a clear, self-identified troll who said, I copy-pasted it. It seemed funny. Another person they spoke to who repeated the two consenting adults line on Twitter is a Justin Timberlake fan account, but they claim to be genuinely copying and pasting the line because they'd seen other Timberlake fan accounts post the same thing, telling the Daily Dot, there is no bot campaign, I assure you. The issue is Britney's fan base is 10 times the size of Justin's on social media. They're twisting narratives to make things worse for Justin. So to be super clear, there is no evidence that Justin Timberlake or anyone connected to him is directing inauthentic accounts to post in support of him. Also, just a side note, did you know that last summer, Justin Timberlake danced so badly during a performance at a music festival here in D.C. that he had to issue an apology to the entire city? But I digress. So maybe Justin's team is not behind this social media behavior. But it is curious. You know, other than having a laugh, why would a handful of disparate people on social media all be using the exact same language to talk about Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake? Social media users noticed something similar earlier this summer when actor Jonah Hill was being scrutinized after his ex, surfer Sarah Brady, published text messages that he had sent during their relationship. The texts, to many, including myself, seemed to be using therapy language to manipulate her behavior in some pretty controlling ways that Brady herself categorized as emotionally abusive. The conversation exploded online with people talking about how their exes tried to manipulate and control them. We even made an episode about it. And while all of that was going down, social media users found that accounts were doing the same thing as what we're seeing in the Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears situation repeating a pro-Jonah Hill message on posts about the situation verbatim. The message in question read, quote, it sounds like Jonah Hill is communicating what works for him in a clear way. He literally said he supports her if that brings her happiness. It's just not for him. I actually see nothing wrong with this. So is it just me or is there something strangely similar about the Timberlake tweets and the Jonah Hill tweets? The way they kind of implore us to see the perspective of the man accused of bad behavior. The way they both end with some version of, I see nothing wrong with this, or I see no issue. They just seem awfully similar. Now, obviously, neither Justin Timberlake or Jonah Hill have said anything about this. And this is where I kind of need to give you a heads up that if you're hoping that there's going to be some kind of like big reveal of some smoking gun in this episode, sadly, there will not be. Even after all the research I did for this episode, I don't feel any closer to knowing what is actually going on with these specific accounts repeating this specific line. 
you know, did a handful of people all just decide to post the same message for a joke or to create confusion? Is something else going on? I don't know. But the question that I am really curious about is, are we going to see more and more inauthentic social media activity and accounts as a way to shape our opinions? And what does that mean for all of us and for our digital media landscape more broadly? Now, obviously, PR is nothing new. There's an entire lucrative industry built around making us, the public, think about people, brands, and campaigns in specific ways. But coordinating people or bots to hijack conversations on social media to inauthentically manipulate public opinion is a very different thing. And if it becomes just another plank of normal ways to do PR and sway public opinion, I think it would be a pretty big sign of this ongoing rot in our digital landscape. So is coordinating the use of inauthentic accounts going to be a more viable and commonplace strategy for brands and companies looking to engage with the public? And do you remember when you could go to the internet to get information to help you understand something without having to worry if some corporate or PR interest was actually just secretly trying to push you toward having their brand-friendly opinion? Like, is everything online just bots, fakes, and scams now? Well, just ask HBO. Because just last week, HBO came under fire for using inauthentic social media accounts to silence critics of their shows. Allegedly, between June 2020 and April 2021, HBO programming chief Casey Bloys and senior vice president of drama programming Kathleen McCaffrey repeatedly discussed using burner social media accounts to directly combat critics of their shows on Twitter. According to Variety, there were at least six different text message exchanges between the two executives that involved floating the idea of using a fake Twitter account to harshly respond to TV critics who gave negative reviews to HBO shows. All of this came to light thanks to a laid-off staffer who used to work on the HBO show The Idol. You remember that show? It was like this terrible, troubled show about the dark side of Hollywood, starring and produced by The Weeknd that was canceled after one short season. The laid-off staffer who worked on that show is suing HBO, the HBO executives, HBO's head of drama, and The Weeknd himself, and two other producers of the show, The Idol, for wrongful termination. So the staffer says that HBO executives asked her to set up fake social media accounts to counter the tweets from professional TV critics. And it kind of looks like that's exactly what might have happened, because in April 2021, a newly created Twitter account from a, quote, Texas mom and herbalist, Kelly Shepard, tweeted in response to Rolling Stone TV critic Alan Sepinwall's negative review of the HBO series The Nevers. This, quote, Texas mom wrote... Alan is always predictably safe and scared in his opinions. And the language from that tweet matches the directions that the HBO executive allegedly texts to the laid-off HBO staffer, and the account's profile picture is just some stock image that is found used on several business websites. That same account was also defending HBO's shows in the comments of entertainment trade publications like Deadline. So a coordinated campaign of inauthentic social media activity to defend bad TV shows from criticism? Like, is this the future of discourse online? Let's take a quick break. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. 
Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. Y'all know I love the internet, but a sad truth about it is that it can be a scary place, especially for women, people of color, and trans folks. We've talked to people on this podcast, whistleblowers, activists, and advocates who are making technology safer, who then become targets for doing that work. But the truth is, it can happen to any of us online. That's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online and makes sure it stays off. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter code nogirls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash nogirls code nogirls. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment, whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. And we're back. We used to think of coordinated and authentic accounts as being used in an attempt to disrupt political discourse and democracy. But now, are they being used to sway public opinion about specific celebrities and even television shows by networks? So if I had to guess, I would say that I think that people in entertainment saw how effective it was to manipulate public sentiment using coordinated social media activity and are toying with using that more generally. And for a great template for how successful this kind of online coordination can be, just look at what happened during the Amber Heard-Johnny Depp defamation trial that stemmed from Heard's op-ed about domestic violence. Bot Sentinel, a research firm that uses data science and artificial intelligence to track and detect bots, trolls, and suspect accounts on Twitter and elsewhere, released a report after the trial focused on how Heard was treated during the trial. The report called the targeting of Heard on social media quote, one of the worst cases of platform manipulation and flagrant abuse from a group of Twitter accounts. So the LA Times spoke to Christopher Bouzet, CEO of Bot Sentinel, who said, we immediately observed dozens of newly created accounts spamming negative anti-Amber Heard's hashtags. Many accounts were replying to tweets with hashtags unrelated to the tweet they were responding to. Some accounts encouraged others to get the hashtags trending, and the trolls were successful on multiple occasions. So in putting together this report, Bot Sentinel looked at more than 14,000 tweets that included the hashtags 
and it determined that 24.4% of the accounts sending those tweets had been created in the past seven months. So this is where you have to say, I totally got taken by what sounds like some inauthentic social media activity about that trial. You know, I didn't really pay a ton of attention to the trial at first. So then when I decided I wanted to dip in and sort of like get a sense of what was going on, I, of course, went to social media. And the social media content that I saw was so overwhelmingly negative toward Amber Heard that it was really easy for me to think like, wow, the internet is all collectively against Amber Heard. So she must be in the wrong here. It's really shocking to me how effective it was at shaping my opinion. And yep, Bot Sentinel's report says that copy pasta was indeed used in this media manipulation campaign too. The report reads, one manipulative technique that was employed was copy pasta or copying and pasting duplicative content to game Twitter's trends and propagate a positive view of Depp and a negative view of Heard. One such message read, quote, people turned against Amber Heard, not because Johnny Depp is a powerful man or a famous actor, but because we watched the trial and saw who was telling the truth and who wasn't. And again, doesn't this kind of sound similar to the Jonah Hill and Justin Timberlake's tweets? Again, we're being asked to negate any of the, quote, he said, she said, and focus on the perspective of the man accused of bad behavior. I just can't shake how these copy-pasted defenses seem to be inviting us to disregard structures that we know exist, like power dynamics and gender dynamics, to focus on how the man didn't do anything wrong. And they're also framed in this way to look so logical. You know, it's logical to see that Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake were just two consenting adults making the best decisions for themselves He didn't do anything wrong. It's logical to see that Jonah Hill was just being clear about his boundaries for a partner. He didn't do anything wrong. It's logical to not get blindsided by celebrity or gender dynamics and see that Johnny Depp was simply telling the truth in court. He didn't do anything wrong. It's like they're all framed to invite us to completely disregard everything we spent the last 10 years of Me Too talking about. But again, the question is why? You know, other than someone working on Johnny Depp or Justin Timberlake's PR team, why would anyone want to control our feelings around celebrities or popular culture? Like, what is there to gain? Well, maybe Star Wars can give us a little bit of a clue. Morton Bay, a research fellow at the USC Annenberg School for Communications and Journalism Center for the Digital Future, looked into what appeared to be a massive backlash against the 2017 Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi. If you don't remember or you're not a Star Wars person, The Last Jedi was the first Star Wars movie to feature a woman of color in a lead role, Kelly Marie Tran, as Rose Tico. And a small but very vocal minority of people didn't like that. They accused the franchise of like forcing diversity and wokeness down their throats or some such nonsense. Rotten Tomatoes confirmed that the film's score was seriously targeted by a coordinated campaign to tank it. Tran faced a slew of gendered and racialized harassment online and eventually left social media. And Morton Bay's research showed that some of that conversation online was driven by Russian bot campaigns and inauthentic accounts. But more interestingly is that according to Vox's Emily St. James, Bay's study further concludes that much of the backlash was driven by political opportunism from the American alt-right, particularly members of that movement who were deeply involved in 2014's anti-feminist and proto-alt-right Gamergate movement in the video game community. In St. James' piece called Russian Trolls Use Star Wars to Sow Discord Online, the fact that it worked is telling. St. James writes, quote, 
What Bay's study really got me thinking about was how strange it was that Russian agents would focus on Star Wars, of all things, and what seemed to be a campaign to spread dissension throughout America, dating back to before the 2016 election. Whether or not a Star Wars movie is good or bad has little bearing on the overall twists and turns of global geopolitics. And yet, here was evidence that somebody in Russia sure disagreed. Maybe the Russian bots that Bay identified are all extra-governmental, built by trolls with spare time on their hands and a grudge against Lucasfilms. Or maybe Bay's findings are yet another example of how thoroughly Russian intelligence has zeroed in on the idea that white nationalism is central to driving a wedge in American society. If the latter is true, then what's most unnerving about Russia's intelligence strategy and its connection to Star Wars isn't what the strategy says about Russia, but what it says about us. So what does it say about us? Well, St. James argues that our political landscape increasingly operates like one big fandom. People are picking teams and being and staying fanatically loyal to those teams as a marker of identity, you know, who they are in the world. And we already know that using identity and our anxieties and hangups and fears that are rooted in identity has always been one of the most effective ways to cause disruption and manipulate people. So to be super clear, I am not suggesting that there is a foreign campaign to get us to think favorably about a fading pop star like Justin Timberlake. It's concerning, not to mention really telling, that popular culture, you know, the music we like, the celebrities we follow, the films we identify with, is becoming just another domain to spread chaos and division. But it also kind of makes sense. Because the content we consume is so often tied with our identities. But I do think that if identity-based conversations online like these are artificially manipulated, it does leave us more polarized and more susceptible to being manipulated along highly charged tension points for more nefarious political causes where the stakes are a whole lot higher. More after a quick break. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment, whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. 
My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let's get right back into it. We talked before about inauthentic social media accounts trying to spread chaos in the 2016 elections targeting Black and Brown voters. Well, we're already seeing inauthentic accounts being used ahead of the 2024 presidential election, too. Gizmodo published a detailed report about a Twitter bot campaign using research from the digital analytics firm Siabra. Siabra uncovered a bot-run pro-Trump campaign. The bot farm was created within the last 11 months solely to heap praise on Trump while ridiculing his potential political opponents, especially those likely to challenge him in 2024. According to Siabra researchers, a regular conversation on sites like Facebook or Twitter will usually attract between 4% and 8% of fake accounts. In many of these conversations surrounding Trump, that was up to between 20% and 40%. Over a quarter of the interactions for pro-Trump officials like Reps Jim Jordan and Matt Gates on Twitter came from bots, according to this report. It is far, far more than left-wing accounts experience, like Senator Warren or Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And importantly, for all the talk we do about Russian assets and Russian-run bot campaigns, this bot farm was likely created and being run from right here in the United States. The company researchers found that there were three massive bot farms established in April, October, and November of last year. These interconnected bot farms were likely created in the United States. What's more, all these fake accounts were extremely pro-Trump and attacked anybody who made negative mention of the former president. So that's a lot. But how effective are these bot campaigns really at shaping public opinion? It's actually kind of hard to say and also kind of in dispute. First, it's really hard for researchers to get any kind of clear consensus about bot activity on social media sites, especially now that Twitter has blocked access to the API. It's harder than ever for researchers to get a look into the back end to make any kind of assessment about what's happening on the site. According to research from Dahoud Zaman, associate professor of operations management at MIT, even a small handful of bots can have an impact on shaping public opinion. His research found that a small number of highly active bots can significantly change people's political opinions. The main factor was not how many bots were used, but rather how many tweets each set of bots issued. But there is some research to suggest that the concern about bots' impact on our behavior is overblown. Despite the presence of Russian bots trying to disrupt the 2016 election, there is some research suggesting that maybe it wasn't all that effective in actually changing American voting behavior. But here's the interesting thing. When inauthentic accounts and bots are used to shape discourse in these clandestine ways at all, it has an impact whether we're doing the thing the bot campaign is trying to get us to do or not. That's because the knowledge that there could be bots out there manipulating conversations online 
is enough to make us change our behavior and shape the way that we do discourse online. According to a study by Adam Waits, a professor of management and organizations at the Kellogg School, people are more likely to assume that posts that they don't agree with are from bots, not from real people. So if there are bots being deployed in discourse online at all, it kind of doesn't matter if the content that we're seeing is being driven by bots or not. When people believe they are interacting with a bot, they trust online discourse less and show less willingness to engage with it, one of the report's researchers said. Viewed alongside earlier studies, which show that people perceived opposing views as more bot-like, the results of this experiment suggest that the political bot bias may contribute to markers of political polarization. One of the researchers on this study says that the research suggests just how deep American partisan divides go, saying, I was surprised by how consistently this bias emerged. People are very quick to dismiss other viewpoints as not only incorrect, but also as not even human. And our current conversation around bots might not actually even be helpful. Waits, the author of the study, said that belief that bot accounts are widespread may have the effect of poisoning the well and making all online content seem suspect. The research, he says, does make me wonder whether all the hype around bots might actually have a more damaging effect or more biasing effects than the bots themselves. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword because people should be aware of the reality that there are bots out there trying to hijack conversations online. But that reality could also shape the way people see and engage in discourse in ways that make us all more polarized and less informed. And that is an outcome that could have very big impacts on our democracy, which is probably why the HBOs of the world should maybe think twice before using inauthentic accounts just to make their bad TV shows look more well-liked. Because they might think they're just making it seem like people, like our Texas herbalist mom, Kelly Shepard, are just really going to bed and defending their programming. But in actuality, they're making all of us trust online discourse and in turn each other less. And I'm sad to say that none of this shows any signs of slowing down anytime soon. In fact, kind of the opposite. And even though Elon Musk pledged to crack down on bots on Twitter, you might remember that he even tried to use the prevalence of bots to weasel out of the sale way back when, and is now even floating the idea of having people pay to use Twitter to curb bots, the problem has actually gotten worse under his tenure as the owner of Twitter. And it really does not sound like his team is doing a whole lot to fix it. A team of researchers at Queensland University of Technology who tracked misinformation and bot activity on social media for several years, including until Musk took over, found that automated, inauthentic social media accounts, so like really bots bots, remained active on the platform long after their research had discovered them, showing that Twitter has just not really been effective at suspending bot accounts. And with the rise of technology like AI, this is all poised to get a lot worse because AI-powered bots can look and sound more and more like authentic humans. So what's at stake with all this? Like, why does any of this matter? Well, I think the reason I get so up in arms about this is that at the most basic level, people ought to be able to trust that the conversations they're having online are authentic, whether they're about celebrities like Britney Spears and the failed actors like Justin Timberlake they end up having relationships with, or about who you should be voting for and why. We should be able to turn to our biggest social media platforms to get accurate, thoughtful content and information from humans. Otherwise, what is the point? When you get on social media, especially if you're trying to form an opinion about something that is complicated or complex or nuanced, 
You should be able to do that without interference by bots secretly trying to push you to think a certain way. And I think it is related to this overall feeling that more and more of the internet is just a landscape or a marketplace for scams and bots. Like what happened to an internet that is actually based on community building and accurate information sharing? And I think increasingly the ultimate why of inauthentic accounts and bot campaigns might not necessarily just to be to change our behavior and sway our opinions, but to keep us fearful and distrustful of one another. You know, if we're all accusing each other of not just being misinformed or wrong, but not even being human, it's like, I don't have to listen to what you think or engage you or try to understand your perspective if you're just a bot. I think it's just another way to keep us divided and thus easier to manipulate. And ultimately, we all lose out if the internet becomes just another place to manipulate us, divide us, and keep us polarized. Got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just want to say hi? You can reach us at hello at tangodi.com. You can also find transcripts for today's episode at tangodi.com. There Are No Girls on the Internet was created by me, Bridget Todd. It's a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. Jonathan Strickland is our executive producer. Tari Harrison is our producer and sound engineer. Michael Amato is our contributing producer. I'm your host, Bridget Todd. If you want to help us grow, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb, available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and you can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discovery.com slash credit card.